So over the, we've, had, we've had a pretty good series over the last little while, haven't we? Some good messages, some great messages. Um, a couple of weeks ago, or three, I think it was three weeks ago, we had Ali. Ali came up and she did, remember, the, the Holy Spirit, for those who are here, filling, filling the cups and props, props to Ali. Um, and she was talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit and it's overflowing in our lives and how the Holy Spirit fills us and it overflows out and this challenge that we, we come, we be filled by the Holy Spirit and that flows out of us into the world around us and it cleanses us and it renews us. And then uh, two weeks ago, Neil got up and he talked about the potter's, potter's hand, yeah? He threatened to use props and do the theme from some movie I haven't heard of before, Patrick Swayze and someone else, and uh, anyway, we won't go there. Um, no props to Neil on that. But that was about, you know, who, who we are and who are we allowing to shape us, whether we're, we're giving in to worldly pressure or whether we are allowing God to shape who we are. And then last week we had Jingle Jam. Who was here for Jingle Jam? It was good, hey? Great job. Great job to Jen. Great job to Mitch. Uh, Mitch, the king of props. Yes, yes. I was, the sound effects were excellent, hey? Yeah, the, the perfectly t- props to Liam. Where's Liam? Sound man. Woo! Great job, dude. Hey, that was excellent. I still have mashed potatoes somewhere up here in my nasal passage and it's really annoying me and I can't get rid of it. Um, but yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Um, now, I think props are the best thing and I don't have props today, I'm, I'm sorry, but I do have video. Hey, and, and I have prizes. I think, oh, um, no, I brought them. I put them somewhere safe. No, they're not in the fridge. Um, we'll, I'll sort that out in a minute. All right, let's see. Let's see if this works. Can I? I've got a. I'm going technical today. I've got a clicker. This is an awareness okay, test. Okay, here we go. How many passes does the team in white make? Go! Okay, so did you get the, the concept here? How many passes did the team in white make? Uh, there's a few different opinions here. Would you like, would you like to watch it again? Yeah, let's go, let's go one more, ready? Okay, so we're watching the team in white and we're counting the number of times that they pass the ball. All right? This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? I'm hearing, I'm hearing numbers here. So show of hands, how many people think 10? 11, 12, 13. Oh, hands up, 13. Hands up, 13. Oh, no, no. Keep, oh, oh. That's That's not the prize. Where, where, where's the hands? 
I'm lost. Where am I? Here I am. Oh, I've really done it. It's, it is. It's really broken. Whoops. All right. So, 13. Yes? The answer is 13. Hey. But did you see the moonwalking bear? Now, honestly, who saw the moonwalking bear? Hands down if you've seen that video before. <laughs> Interesting, hey? You know, it's, it's crazy. Actually, I've got some more things in here. Just watch your heads, people. Oh, where'd that one go? Ugh. Apologies, parents. Oh, I'm not a good throw, am I? Here, over there. Oh, right at the back. Ugh. No. Sorry about that. But it's... The, re the reality is, it's, it's, I'm going to just chuck this somewhere. It, it's crazy, isn't it, that we can miss something that's, that's right in front of us. You know, it, it, that we can be paying such close attention to one particular thing that we, we don't actually see something else that's going on that's actually fairly significant. Hey, like it was... You would think that maybe you could actually see that bear coming in and doing a little dance and waving and, and shuffling off, yet we're so fixated on, on the, the thing that we miss it. And so this is, this is the concept that leads into to what I'm wanting to talk about today. This is, this is something that's been on my heart um, and been challenging me over recent time. And it says, don't miss what God is doing. You know, this is, this is something that I've been, been personally challenged with. You know, I, I don't want to miss what God is doing and what God has planned for my life. And I don't, I don't want us as, as a church to miss what God is doing in this place. And I don't want you as individuals in the life that you are living to miss the things that God is doing, even the things that might be right in front of your face, like in that video that we watched. You know, and so there's this, there's this real danger that as we, as we journey, as we go through life, we can actually miss stuff that God is doing because we're, we're so distracted, we're so invested in things that are going on in our lives. And so we can miss stuff, even when it's right in front of our faces. And so I guess this is, this is what's been on my heart recently, and I just, I just really want to challenge us, you know, even, even at this Christmas time. You know, Christmas is this time where we come together and we give gifts and we, and we you know, we, we get together with friends and and we spend time together and, and there's busyness and there's kids and there's, you know, it's all great, but sometimes we can, we can miss the real meaning, can't we, if we're not careful. And so I want us to be in this space of just having an awareness, of, of being ready, of, of looking for what it is that God is doing. 
Now we all, all know that obviously we're, we're coming up to we're coming up to Christmas, um, and you can find the Christmas story in the first first two chapters of both uh, Matthew and in Luke. And I want to I want to encourage you over this Christmas season just to spend some time in the Word to read through those stories. And there's, there's different bits of, of information in, in both of those Gospels about what took place over that Christmas story. And I'm not going to go into, any, in, into that in any great depth, but I just want to quickly touch on a few things about that and, and the way that God was working, because it was very clear that God was working in the Christmas story, yeah? I mean, obviously, we've got, we got Mary, okay? So, young girl, engaged to Joseph, is suddenly confronted by an angel of the Lord, who tells her that she's going to get pregnant and that she's going to give birth to the Son of God. That is just a mind-blowing, very obvious encounter with God, isn't it? You know, very, very hard to miss that one. And then, there, and then there's Joseph, engaged to Mary, finds out that she's pregnant. And what's his response in that? He plans to divorce her but then he also has an encounter with, with an angel, albeit in a dream, that f- confirms her story. And again, and again for him, it's, it's hard to miss, isn't it? But as I was, I was thinking about that, it was, I question God's timing. You know, I think sometimes we can do that, can't we? We can question God's timing in the situation we find ourselves in. Why is it that an angel came to Mary to tell her she was going to become pregnant. But the angel didn't also go to Joseph and say, hey, look, just by the way, Mary's going to get pregnant. But no, he, he waits until Mary goes and says, hey, look, this is what's going down. I'm pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have the Son of God. And then Joseph, as I think any, any person would, is say, right, that's it, I'm done, I'm out. You know? I don't, I don't believe this, this story that you're telling me I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off, I'll, I'll do the right thing, I'm going to divorce her, but I'm going to do it quietly. But I just, it was just, just, why does God do that? And there's a, I think there's a challenge in that for us to recognise that God is sovereign and that his timing is perfect and there was a reason for that. And so again, Joseph's encounter with what God was doing was really hard to miss. And then there's the, the shepherds, they're out in the fields, they're watching their sheep and an angel appears amongst them and it says that they were surrounded by God's glory. That sounds pretty cool, hey? And then not only were they surrounded by God's glory and had this encounter with an angel but then this angel was joined by the armies of heaven praising God. Again, definitely hard to miss what God is doing in that circumstance. And then finally, the other characters in the Christmas story, the wise men, who I've already talked about this morning. They were the ones that were actively looking for something. You know, they saw the star, they recognised that it meant something significant, and then they follow it to find this King Jesus. And the interesting thing about that is that star was, was visible to everyone, wasn't it? You go outside, the stars in the sky, everyone can see the stars. But it was only the wise men 
who acted on what was right in front of them and decided to step into that. To, they recognised that they followed its direction. And so again, this one, a sign of, of God at work and it was visible to everyone but yet not everyone got it. And in fact, the majority missed it. And then so obviously the, the entire Bible is about God at work. You know, it's the, it's the story of God working, isn't it? It's the story of, of his creation from the very beginning of time through to when Jesus came and then when he returns again in Revelation. And, it, and there's so many stories, there's so many accounts, there's so many testimonies of God at work in and through the Bible. And there's stories of people recognising God at work and people not recognising people, uh, people not recognising God at work. And so it's, it's, it's easy for us, isn't it, with hindsight, to look back and read through the stories and go, oh, gee, they missed that one. How, how did they possibly miss that? And so I wonder, I wonder in that, just, just imagine for a minute that your life was written like the stories in the Bible, the things that you've experienced, the things that you've walked on your journey and people could read it into the future and look back and go, oh gee, how did Matt miss that one? What an idiot, you know? There's a real risk that we can, we can separate ourselves from what we're reading and, you know, hindsight is great. It, it gives us the ability to look back and to see the way that God has worked, whether that's in our own lives or whether that's in the lives of others around us or whether that's in the stories that we read in the Bible. And so there's, there's one other account that I want to look at today as part of, part of this message. And it's, and it's a story we're probably all familiar with and, it, and it's the story of, of when the, the Israelites had just escaped from slavery in Egypt and they were, they were saved from the Egyptian army by God as they crossed the Red Sea and the army was pursuing them and God collapsed the sea in on them and destroyed them. You know, that's, that's hard to miss God at work there, isn't it? You know, they'd just, they'd just come and they'd experienced uh, the, the plagues that God had sent and inflicted on the Egyptians to get their release. Again, hard to miss that God isn't doing something in that space. And so they find themselves being freed from captivity in Egypt, walking across the Red Sea in this amazing, miraculous circumstance, seeing these plagues take effect that, that enables their release. And then they, they travel through to the Jordan River, ready to cross into the promised land that God has intended for them to live in, a land that is full to abundance, it's somewhere that God has said, I'm going to take you here, you're going to go and you're going to, be, you're going to conquer this land and it's going to become yours. But before they, cross, before they cross over into this promised land, God instructs Moses, that is the, the guy who is leading the Israelites, to send 12 spies into the land, doesn't he? And there's one spy from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And in Numbers 13, um, it spells out... The, the challenge, the, the job that these spies have to do. They have to go in and see what the land is like and, and what are the people like there and what are the towns like? You know, are they, are they fortified towns or are they just open, open camps? What is the soil like? Is it good soil or is it bad soil? Is there trees there? Do they, you know, is there produce there? And so these spies go out and they go out for 40 days 
to do their investigation. And then they come back and they report to Moses and they report to the whole Israelite community. And this is, this is what they report back in Numbers 13 from 27 to 28. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. And here is the kind of fruit that it produces. So they, they brought some back. It actually talks about the fact that the, the, the bunches of grapes were so big that two men had to carry it on a stick between them. So a land that is bountiful. But... The people living there are powerful and their towns are large and they're fortified. And we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And then again, in Numbers 13, 33, the spies reinforce it in the community around us. We saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we feel like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. So this is what they reported back to the community of Israel. You know, and the, and the whole community grabbed hold of this. And what had been said couldn't be undone. And, and there were two spies, there was Caleb and, and Joshua who spoke out and they said, no, let's go. They had faith in God. They said, let's go, we can do this. God is with us. But their voices were drowned out because of the other spies' claims. The fact that the other spies had, had heard the opinion of the enemy, we felt like grasshoppers and they thought that too. They'd, they claimed that as their identity. And the Israelites took ownership of that and, and that worldly opinion rather than remembering the incredible God who was on their side, who was instructing them to go. God had, God had told them where to go Sending the spies in was just the next step that God had asked for them to perform as part of that journey. But the Israelites, they, they took that worldly opinion rather than remembering the incredible God who was with them, the one who was on their side, the one who had rescued them from Egypt, the one who had then provided for them for the time period from when they crossed the Red Sea to when they got to the Jordan River. Now, if you look in, in the Bible story, it talks about the fact that it's a 13-day journey from the Red Sea crossing to the, to the Jordan. But then if you look at the actual story, it takes about 12 months from them to get from the Red Sea to the Jordan. And there's a whole heap of things that happen in that time. But what God was doing was establishing them as a nation. He was putting things in place. That's when the Ten Commandments were established. That's when um, they did a census of all of the different tribes to work out how many men they had that could go into battle and all of this kind of stuff. And so God was ordering them into a structure so that when they entered into that promised land in 12 months, they were ready to fight. I can imagine too that if they'd been in slavery, they may have been weak, I mean tired and not ready to fight. But here they are, they're travelling with this God who has rescued them, who has provided for them in this time. They'd seen the sea parted. I'd, I cannot begin to imagine what that is like. To see a sea 
divided in two so that you can walk through on dry land, to be pursued by an army, to see the water collapse back in on them and for, for the army to be destroyed, but your entire nation of a million people to be saved. And yet despite all of that, they chose to listen and focus in on worldly opinion, on the voice of the enemy. They listened and they, and they focused in on the problem rather than on God. And, and so, so the result of that, the result of that wrong focus was that they then, what? They wandered through the desert for 40 years. One year for every day that the spies were in the promised land. And so that's, I mean, again, hindsight, we can look back at that and we think, oh, how did they, how did they miss that? And so I guess the challenge for us this morning is how do we make sure that we don't miss what God is doing? How, how do we make sure that we don't miss what God is doing? And so the first thing in that is to be seeking God first in all things, in all circumstances, to be actively looking and attentive to God for the things that he is saying to us. Because we get, we get confronted by worldly opinion all the time, don't we? It's, it's just, we, we need to expect it. And Neil was talking the other week about his desire to be in a space where he no longer worries about what the world thinks and the world doesn't pester him because the world knows that he's unchanging. Because that's what God calls us to be. God calls us to be in the world, but not of the world. And so we know that we're going to come up against all of this worldly opinion and all of that kind of stuff. And in Matthew 6, 31 and 33, Jesus encourages us with these words. He says, don't worry about these things. This is all the worldly stuff. By saying, what are we going to eat and what will we drink? What will we wear? Fill in the blanks. How am I going to afford this? Where am I going to live? What is my job? These are the things that will dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Amen? Amen. And seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. That is to live a life that is honouring to what God is calling us to do and he will give you everything you need. Seek God in everything. Begin every day dedicating your day to God. And be attentive to his prompting. Be in his word. Get your Bible out and read through it. Pray. Communicate with God and then listen. Be attentive to him. Don't be, don't be so completely consumed by your own thoughts or, or take ownership of everyone else's thoughts about what they think about you like the Israelites did. You know, we, we're like grasshoppers. But rather seek God first. And then secondly in that, in, in, as, as well as seeking, is to remember Him. Yeah? To remember who God is and what He has done. You know, remember, look back on your own life, like I was talking about before, if, if your life is written out, what are people going to look back and say? 
But remember what God has done in your own life for those of us who have had a relationship with God for a long period of time or even a short period of time. You can recognise the things that God has done and remember that. You know, read about it in His Word. Again, get your Bible out, read through the things that God is doing in the Bible. You know, the Bible is this incredible account of who God is and what He has done. You know, we've already talked about the Christmas story this morning and that's just one example. We've looked at the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, that's another example. And we know that if we read on in that story that the Israelites do eventually cross over into the Promised Land and they conquer that land and they end up living in the Promised Land. They then mucked it up again and I... I wonder whether the current situation over there would even be taking place if they'd actually done what God told them to in the first place. So it has flow on, doesn't it? I don't want to get distracted by that though. So look, look in the Bible, look to the incredible work that God is doing in and through the Bible. His desire for us to be loved by Him and to be part of His family, that's what it's all about. He sent His son Jesus as this incredible gift, His only Son He sent into the world to show us how to live and then to be that perfect sacrifice so that we can enter in, so that we can be called sons and daughters, that we can be forgiven and redeemed and enter into His family. And then listen and remember through the testimony of others around you. You know, when when we recognise, we have a responsibility that when we recognise that God is working in our own lives, we have this responsibility to testify to that, to tell people about it. Because as we do that, it encourages us, doesn't it? It gives us the ability to go, that's who God is. I know what God's doing and I'm going to put my faith and trust in Him because I know that His plans are perfect. Maybe I don't understand His timing, like the timing with when he chose to send the angel to Joseph. But I know that God has a perfect plan and I'm going to trust Him and I'm going to step into that and I'm going to remember who He is and I'm not going to listen to the outside world but I'm going to remember who my incredible God is. A God that is steadfast, a God that is unchanging, a God that is ever-reliable. James 1, 17, he never changes and he never casts a shifting shadow. He is steadfast. He remains the same day after day after day. What we read about his promises in his word, we can rely on in our own lives now. And then remembering, as it says in Matthew 28, 20, be sure of this, I am with you. That is, God is with us always, even to the end of the age. Remember that our God can do all things, that nothing is impossible for Him. Even if the world says that is impossible, there is nothing impossible for God. He can do all things. He created all things. He parted seas. He brought people out of captivity. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He produced gold out of fish's mouths in a time of need. He had ravens bring food. He sustained people on one meal for 40 days. 
I could go on and on and on about the incredible things that God has done, which the world would say are impossible. But he is a God who can do all things. So seek God. Number one, seek God every day, every moment. Say to him, God, what are you doing in this circumstance? Give me eyes to see you at work. Number two, remember. Remember what he's done and share it. Testify to it. Encourage each other. Walk the journey together. And then finally, trust him. Trust in God. Don't don't put your trust in worldly opinion. Don't listen to worldly opinion. Don't end up in this place where you think everyone thinks I'm a grasshopper. No. Scripture tells us that we have how to have boldness like lions. Because God is with us. So don't trust worldly opinion, but put your trust in God. You know, be alert to him, be active in, in boldly stepping forward with him. You know, be committed to seeking him, to look for him, to see him at work in and through every single circumstance that you might find yourself in. You know, let's, let's not miss out on, on what God has intended for us because what is before us looks a little bit scary or a little bit hard. You know, I'd hate for us to get to a point where we, it's like we're standing on the edge of the Jordan and we're, we're looking out and I, and I know that God has stuff planned, but I'm like, oh, this is a little bit scary. I'm just going to go back here where I'm comfortable. What, what am I missing out on? And I don't want that for us. I know, I know that God has a plan. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for, for us as this cornerstone community, this body of Christ. And there are incredible things that God has in store for us. We know that because incredible things have already happened in the journey of this church, in my life, in your life. You know, I don't, I don't want to be in that same situation that the Israelites were. I don't want us as a church to be in that space. I don't want you as individuals to be in that space where we, we miss what's going on because we're distracted by the world around us or we're fearful of what lies before us and then we spend the next 40 years just wandering around. That's not what we are called here to be. We are called to be in action and to to step into the things that God has in store for us, incredible things, and not be distracted by worldly things or focused on the wrong thing. I don't know about you, but but I want to be attentive. I want to be attentive to what God is doing. I want to be eager. I want to, you know, be in a space where I I cannot wait to come and join here at Cornerstone on a Sunday morning. I I love it. I, I... Coming here on a Sunday is a non-negotiable. You know, obviously there's, there's, at times there's reasons why we wouldn't be here. But you get what I'm saying. It's, it's, not, it's not something that we wake up and go, oh, you know, I just can't really be bothered to get out of bed this morning. We are coming to meet with the King of Glory.
And so I want to come and I want to be attentive and I want to be actively involved and I want to see what's going on around me and hear the testimony of people that come and gather and say, this is what God's doing in my life. I want us to be able to be in a space where we're praying for each other, praying over that struggle, recognising what God is doing, helping each other to see what God is doing. Because I know that God has a plan for this community. We are not here by mistake. God has a plan for us. And that plan requires us to be attentive to Him. Be attentive to God and what He's calling us to. And be filled with faith and filled with the trusting in Him that whatever happens, He's going to provide. And maybe that is God saying to us, well, you know what? You don't do anything on a Thursday night. Why don't you come to music practice and be a part of the worship team? Or you don't do anything on a Friday night. Why don't you come and be a part of the youth ministry? Or maybe you have a heart for young people and you're just sitting there and, and, and you're not actually acting in that and we've got kids ministry happening on a Sunday morning. Come and be involved in that. Listen to what God is putting on your heart. Use your gifts and abilities and your talents and step into that. Let's make this the most incredible community for God. And it's not just about this place, but this is where God has put us. I know that every single person here this morning is not here by mistake. I know that every person that isn't here, that would normally come here, but they're not because they're on holidays, is here because God has a plan and a purpose for them in this place. That this is a community that is going to transform the city around us. God, that is God's plan. That is God's purpose. God wants every single person to be part of his family. That is why he sent his only son to die. So that everyone... Can find freedom so that everyone can find forgiveness and eternal life and be in relationship with this incredible heavenly father that we have so don't put yourself in a place where you're going to miss what god is doing because you are so focused on yourself or the circumstances that you find yourself in but instead look for him. I love the fact, I work, I work uh, in my other job because um, I'm assistant pastor here but I'm also IT manager for NT Christian schools so I work in Berrimah and I don't know if you know but they're doing a whole heap of roadworks in Berrimah at the moment and so what used to take me five minutes to get home, I now have to go the long way around and it takes me 20 minutes which is wonderful. But on that journey at the moment, they're doing a whole heap of roadworks. And I don't know if anyone's driven along Tivendale, which goes past the prison. But along there, there's a whole heap of above ground power lines. And strapped to each of the power poles is a little cardboard cutout of a man. And he's going like this. He's a yellow sign. He's like this. And on his chest is written, look up and live. Now, I know that's there because the, they don't want the construction workers to hit the power lines with their trucks or whatever they're doing and kill themselves. But what a profound reminder. Like, that's just one example of, of seeking God and, and recognising him at work. Every time I drive past that, I see the little man with his hand up. Look up and live. Look up and live. Don't miss what God is doing. Let's stand and let's pray.
Lord God, I want to I thank you again for the gift of Jesus. I want to thank you just for that incredible sacrifice that you made, the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross that enables us to enter into relationship with you. God, I thank you that there is nothing that is impossible for you. I thank you that, that you have plans and purposes for each of our lives as individuals and as a community of believers. And so, God, I just really pray for each one of us this morning. I pray that you would give us eyes to see you, eyes to see you at work, that you'd give us minds that would, would remember the things that you've done. And Lord God, I pray that you would just give us your boldness, a boldness of faith to step into the things that you're calling us to do, whether that is, is, is as individuals or whether that is as a community of believers. God, we want to see the community around us transform for your glory and for your purpose. God, I thank you for this season, this season where the whole world remembers your birth. God, I pray for opportunity to share your love and your light in this season. I pray for opportunity to do that in our everyday life as well, God. Give us the ability to see you at work in and through every circumstance that we find ourselves in. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't actually have a personal relationship with Jesus. I just want to let you know that there is opportunity for you to come because God wants you to be in his family. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. And so if that's you and you want to, you want to accept the invitation to come in his family, I'm going to come down the front over here and I invite you to come and we'll chat and I'll pray with you and you can be invited into his family. But bless you heaps, guys. Bless you.